Thanks, Aaron. I love that we're able to say that we have an app. How many churches in the 1900s or 1800s could have said that? Huh? Go online and download our app. Yeah. But we live in that age, that day. I'm going to come to this side. And what was I going to... Yeah. So welcome again. I want to... I'm Chris. I think there's some new faces out there. So if I haven't got to meet you yet, then hopefully I will at some point. But I work here. This is my J-O-Y. And... I really love this group of people. And yeah, I wanted to bring you up to speed real quick on what we did last Sunday. We had a birthday party. And that's why I think there's some like birthday napkins and plates over there, if you're wondering. Um, this little church, this toddler church turned four last month. So we had a little birthday party and we had a time of sharing what this group means to everybody. and. We drew on rocks and made sun catchers and do everything you expect to do at church on a Sunday morning. And it was fun. It was really fun. And we had a wonderful meal. Um, I heard that the Portuguese chili and uh, there, yeah, there were a lot of hits I heard. So, yeah. Can I say something kind of interesting real quick? This is going to be a little segue. I used to, I have a lot of things going on with my body and um, in terms of things that I need healing for. I used to have to eat every hour and a half to manage my blood sugar levels. Anybody else like that? Where you just kind of get hangry really quickly and you always have to know where the protein is or something? I used to have to eat every hour and a half to keep my system functioning just semi-properly. To the point, all right, let me, little confession. It used to get so bad that one time I was turned in on a college campus for being drunk just because my blood sugar was so low and I didn't even realize it. I had the security people come up to me and ask me if I had been drinking. And it was just because like, I really needed to be that on top of my blood sugar. So I used to eat every hour and a half. Last Sunday, I woke up around 4.30 in the morning because my body's just liking that lately. And I ate at 7.15. I didn't eat anything here except for five tortilla chips. I didn't think about food again until 5 at night when Sarah came home and talked about what we were going to have for dinner. And my body was not tired, hungry. I just cruised through the day, and I think it was because I got so much energy from all of you that morning that my body's like, food? What? Who needs that? We have this other kind of bread that can sustain you on a way more profound level. It was the weirdest thing. A.K.A. I'm like, Jesus is healing me. And... It feels really good to feel good. If you've had those points where you're like, whoa, a lot of you probably, if you feel good, you just, it's easy to take energy for granted. But when you start to lose that, it's like, wow, it's amazing to actually run up the stairs instead of just walk or crawl or <laughs> pull yourself up. But I actually, I had a doctor's appointment a few, about a week and a half ago, and the doctor said that my labs that I'd been waiting for the results of for a long time came back almost pristine which is just amazing. So that's what he said. He basically said, look, if, if most people had bodies like you, I wouldn't have a job. And I was like, okay, so why can't I eat a strawberry? But he said, we'll work on that. <laughs> but, but there's things going on on my insides that are really good, and I'm really happy about that, and I didn't want to just keep that to myself. It's, it's exciting for me. So thanks for letting me share that with you. So 
Last Sunday, I gave a quick picture of what I think Hartley Coastlands could be, and it was this image of a river. And there it is. And I think that what this means to me, for those of you that missed it, is that this river, there's a lot embedded in it, but I feel like partially as a group, as a faith community, that we are called to be the kind of people that we flow together in a direction. We flow together in a direction, but it's not this agitated, stirred up. Notice that those are not like a class five or what they have, like 10 classes now, like a class eight, whatever, rapids, where you get in, you're like, that was exhilarating and exhausting. Any of you ever been a part of a faith community that's like that? It's like you jump in, it's like, just chew you up, spit you out, you're like, whoa, I got in and got out so quick, I don't even know what happened. But then on the other side, we also notice that it, it has movement, it has direction. We don't want to be a faith community that just kind of becomes a stagnant pool where everybody comes together and like, hey, I love you all, and then, oh, why are we here? I forgot. Who are we? What are we doing here? And so we want to have that, that combination, live in that tension of direction, coming out of stillness, coming out of who we are, not just to do something for the sake of doing something. And that's what I feel we are at Coastlands, and, and I want to just kind of make that explicit. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to move into a series. Over the last year and a half, we've done a series called the Brilliant, the Brilli, the Beauty and Brilliance. I don't remember which one we actually called it. The Beauty and Brilliance of Jesus. We talked about the life and personality of Jesus. And for me, it came out of actually discovering that Jesus has a personality. Imagine that. I used to picture Jesus as kind of like the float through the world in his pristine bleached robe and his pearly white teeth, which would be interesting because he didn't have a toothbrush. And but I just pictured like this perfectly sanitized Jesus that just talked to everybody with a straight face and realizing, wait a minute, Scripture doesn't portray Jesus that way. Jesus is cheeky, he's funny, he's sarcastic, he's aggressive, yet he's tender. So we talked about some of those dynamics, and soon you'll be able to find that on the app. And we also did a series on the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how, what if we could encounter the Holy Spirit in a way that's not creepy or shoved into a corner? But what if we could actually encounter the person of the Holy Spirit that loves and moves and likes to party and likes to bring people together and likes to heal us? And so we did a series called The Secret Life of the Holy Spirit. You'll be able to find that on the app soon, too. But what we haven't done is we haven't talked explicitly. We haven't given the Father His own series. And that's where we're going. Look at that. I use the force for that. Do you see that? Um, we haven't given the Father his own series. And, and part of that is because, to be honest, some of us, and sometimes we just aren't ready to talk about the Father. Could anybody else relate to the sentiment that it's like, hey, Jesus is relatable. I mean, he's a human. And he lived what we live, and he, he knows what we know. And the Holy Spirit, well, I don't know much about the Holy Spirit, but I mean, seems nice enough. But the Father... Uh, and we have these words that come to our mind like distant or disappointed or they're always D's, right? Um, what are the rest of those D words? Um, <laughs> disgusted, right? Um, disapproving, but can anybody else relate? to When it comes to the Godhead, to the Father, Son, and Spirit, it's like, Jesus, you're cool, you're fun. Holy Spirit, yeah, you bring life and energy. Father, uh, yeah, you're like the bad cop. You're the judging one. You're the wrathful one. You're the disappointed one. So what if we took some time to just kind of put that out there and say, well, is that the case? And what does Jesus, the one who said in Matthew 11, 
No one knows the Father, truly, but the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Jesus says, I know this, Daddy, that your life will be absolutely changed forever once you get to know Him. What if we took some time to say, Jesus, what do you want to say to us about the Father? What if we could actually heal our image of the Father in a way that we don't just become binatarian? You know what binatarian means? We just like two of the three. <laughs> and the other, <laughs> we just tolerate. So what we're going to do, oh, spoiler, is we're going to take some time. It could be five weeks. It could be five months. I have no idea. I'm really just going to kind of go as long as there's life. We'll just go with it. Um, it won't be five months, I don't think. But we're going to take some time because Jesus has embedded faces, facets, attributes of the Father in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus wants us to see what his Father is like. We're going to take some time to see that and, and let that do work in us. So where we're going to go is we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 6. That's where the Lord's Prayer is found. get a quick time check. Yeah, will you join me in prayer? Before we jump into this scripture, let's just recenter for a moment. Father, we want to know you too. And some of us do. Some of us know your embrace, your affection, your goodness. Some of us think we do. And some of us don't even really care to. Because we think we're fine with Jesus and the Spirit. And in a sense, we are. But we're also missing out. Because you bring so much goodness. And so, would this be a season, would this be a series of, of experiencing your tenderness in our lives? Experiencing your goodness in our lives? Your healing in our hearts? your hope in our circumstances. I want to invite you just to take a minute. Whoa. And uh, surprise myself there. I want to invite you just to take a minute and reflect for yourself. How do you feel about the Father? Do you have inhibitions? Do you have... Hesitation? Do you have walls up? Is there something in you that you're like, yeah, Father, I think that I know you're good, but deep down I'm not really sure. Let's just take a minute. Just think about that for a minute. How do you feel about the Father? Who is the Father to you?
we were going to have Pamela share a little story of her experience with this, but I guess she's, yeah. Should we pray real quick? Um, I don't really know what happened, but somebody just mouthed the word. Well, yeah, anybody want to, is there anybody that could fill us in on what just happened? Well, Jesus, if, if Brenda is feeling something that needs uh, your touch right now, would you touch her and hold her and meet her in that? So, let me ask you all, um, what's a word that you would use to describe your, your impression, your understanding um, of the Father? Just put some words out to us, and let's... Let's do it Coastland style where we know we could be free to be honest. So if you have something good to say, then, then please say that. But if, if it's a little raw as well, feel free to say that as well. Um, what are some of the words or emotions that were stirring you as you reflected on who the Father is to us? Who could just throw some of those out to us? Yeah, Carrie. Provider. Powerful. Dora. Protector. All right, who's got another P for us? <laughs> Mighty? Mighty. Creator, compassionate. What else? Strength and what? Yeah, your strength. What else? Who else is the Father to us? Restorer. Yeah. Home. Perfect. Forgiving, I heard someone say. Embracer. Embracer. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Love. Yeah. Designer and architect. Yeah. My other role here is junior community architect. It's on the website. <laughs> yeah, Laura. What's that? Busy. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I get that too. Steady. Anyone else? Patient. Gentle. Scary. <laughs> Austere. What's that? Unconditional and steadfast. Mysterious. Gracious. So, affectionate. Now, I'm, I'm really curious. Who, raise your hand if the majority of these words that were just shared. Now, if you are in this room with your father, I totally release you from participating <laughs> in this next little segment of our morning. Or I invite you to participate in this next little segment. Anna Grace is like, oh. Okay, I have to put on the spot. Um, your dad's a wonderful guy. Um, so how many of you would say that those descriptions of the Heavenly Father that we just shared, that your earthly father reflected those to a large extent? Raise your hand. Okay, look around for a minute. Look at this. Wow. 
That's really powerful. How many of you would say that your earthly father was more of an obstacle to encountering those facets of the father? Just being honest. Yeah. Okay. So we have both. It's always both, right? Uh huh. <laughs> no, there's no middle ground. <laughs> nope. So there were some attributes of the father, yeah, that was, that was yeah, portrayed by your dad and some that weren't. Yeah, there's a guy named Austin Sorensen. He once said, unless a child sees some, of his, sees some of God in his father, he will never see a father in God. Can I say that again? He said, unless a child sees some of God in his father... He will never see a father in God. In other words, never be able to relate to God as father. But do you agree with that? I used to agree. And then guess what happened? I met the father and started getting healed and started getting restored and invited into this journey of knowing the father for who he is. And so, Al's right. It's not just, is it this or is it this? As with Jesus and most things. So, little hint, this is something I've discovered in the last like, 15, 16 years of ministry. There's always two safe answers. The first safe answer to every question is Jesus. Right? No matter what the question is. And then the second safe answer is yes. Right? Is it like, well, is it this or is it this? And Jesus' answer is yes. <laughs> Let's find a way to bring those both together. And so we're going to take some time looking at Matthew 6, and I, I wasn't expecting to go this direction with it, but I want to just see what, what this means to all of you. We will get to the prayer itself, um, but we're going to take some time and say, how did Jesus establish, what did Jesus do to kind of lay the groundwork for teaching his disciples? So what we don't have up here is in Luke chapter 11, what Luke tells us is that Jesus' disciples, they came to him. He was praying, and they came to him and they said, Teacher, would you teach us how to pray just like John's disciples taught him how to pray? And what that indicates is that for them, there was this way that communities, the groups of people, they had certain ways of praying that identified them, that, that bound them to their group, and also identified them as part of that group. And it expressed the way they related to the Father, and it also expressed who they were as a people. So really the Lord's Prayer is an identity statement that Jesus is giving to the early church. They say, teach us how to pray. And he says, alright, this is how you pray. And we're going to get into some of the dynamics of that soon. But, but in Matthew 6, this is what Jesus does. He's basically pointing out the hypocrisy and some of the religiosity of, of the Pharisees in particular. And he had just talked about giving alms. You know the thing. It says like when you give with one hand, don't let your, what your, don't let your other hand know what you're doing. And then he says, and whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. 
Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What does that mean? Does that mean that we can't pray together as a church on Sunday mornings? Why did I not bring it? Um, hey, Brett, I will give you crazy bonus points. I'll give you, I'll give you a raise if you... Um, will you pop into YouTube real quick and look up that video? You know what I'm talking about? Um, that one video? Brett and I are cousins, and so we have that kind of like Holy Spirit connection that he knows exactly what I'm talking about unless he gives a different video. <laughs> We're going to see what happens with this. But So what we have here in Matthew 6 is we have these people that are getting up in front of others and in the religious domain they're praying. Why? So that they can sound good in front of everybody else. How many of you feel awkward praying in public? Raise your hand. Praying in public is super awkward for you. You're like, how do I start? Right? That's, that's the first thing. I mean, that's, that's the case with addressing anybody. Is, well, what do I call you? Do I call you Mr. or Mrs.? Do I call you by your last name? Do I call you this? I mean, is she Betty Fry? Is she the right reverend Betty Fry? Is she, is she Grandma Betty? Is she, who, who is she? Is she Elizabeth? Is she, do I call her Mrs.? But how do you address somebody? How well do I know you? Uh, we're going to get into that when we get into the second part, but prayer can just be awkward. And the, the video that Brett's looking for is from the movie Meet the Fockers. Remember Ben Stiller's uh, dinnertime prayer? Come on. We'll see if we can find it. If not, then I'll, I'll just, yeah, we'll find it. Um, but what we have here that Jesus is addressing is these, these hypocrites that would get up in front of everybody and they would try to make their prayers beautiful so that what? What does Jesus say they're trying to get? They're trying to get attention. They're trying to get approval. They're trying to get affirmation. Isn't that interesting? So these, Jesus is talking to the only group of people in human history that have ever tried to go to other humans to find their primary affirmation and approval. Crazy people, aren't they? Can you imagine anybody ever doing that? It doesn't even like cross my mind that somebody would actually try to go and perform for other humans? To feel loved? What? The Bible is so removed from us, <laughs> from reality. So let me ask you guys, what are some ways, how many of you go out to, so we don't have, obviously, this is not a church building. This is our church, all of your faces. But, but how many of you, during the week, make your way over to like St. Timothy's or, or somewhere else and you, you stand out in front of there and you wait for people to be watching, and then you bust out this beautiful, eloquent prayer that you wrote down the night before, and just see what people say to you. Who did that last week? Nobody? Okay, this passage does not speak to us at all. Okay, let's just move right on through then. So, did any of you find yourself looking for approval or affirmation by putting some facade up? in front of another human being in another realm this last week? 
Chris, don't get all heavy on us. We're having fun this morning. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Don't start talking about the ways we look for life from other people when it's not really there in the way we're looking for it. Don't do that right now. Let's step back and generalize it so we're not putting anybody on the spot. What are some ways that humans today try to get their approval, affirmation, affection from other humans and it's often based on a facade. What, what would you say? What, Chris? The way we dress and walk. and So just the, through our outer appearance, what we present to others. Okay. What else? Instagram. That's been your answer a couple times to different questions. <laughs> yeah. So for Sarah Gallen, the answer to the question in church, Jesus and Instagram. Or Instagram and Jesus. <laughs> Hey, we love you, Sarah. You have our approval. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> yeah. How many of you, so I bet you've never done this if you're an Instagrammer. You've never posted something on Instagram and then gone back a little bit later to check how many likes it got. Never. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be ridiculous? <laughs> My wife's like all feeling uncomfortable right now. <laughs> what are some other ways that we, what are some other ways we try to get approval and affirmation from other humans? Instagram, the way we dress. Joseph, what are you going to say? Codependency. Yeah. I need you to need me. Ooh. <laughs> it's I want you to want me, right? <laughs> it's so awkward listening to the radio with my boys because I have to tell them that every song is about something it's not about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They just need to like have like a five- to seven-year-old radio station. But anyways, we won't go there. Um, yeah, so through codependency, needing people to need us. What else? What are other ways that we try to get affection and, and affirmation from humans? Laura? Flattering gifts. Come on, I know there are more. This is fun. You guys are kind of letting some of the pressure off of me. Adam Serafin. Work performance. Yeah. How are my metrics, right? How's my evaluation? Yeah. Am I bringing the goods? Yeah. Credentials. Yeah. Our credentials. What else? Yeah, Darcy. What college you get into. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. How your kids behave. Ooh. Ouchies. <laughs> yeah. How many of you have a child? Now, we're not going to, I'm totally, this is so unwise for me to say. How many of you, how many of you have a child? that you tell yourself, wow, that's the child God gave me so that I'll never judge another parent for their parenting. <laughs> yeah. How many of you were that child? <laughs> yeah. Yep, I was that child. <laughs> yeah. You deserve this. My mom told me that before. <laughs> you had that coming. That's called sowing and reaping if you don't call it karma, right? Yeah. Um, so isn't that interesting, Brett, we're going to, yeah, we're going to stick on this for a minute. So this is what I love about what Jesus says to all those things. Jesus is addressing this human tendency to look for affection and affirmation and approval from our brothers and sisters, from our human family. Notice that he doesn't condemn it. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you're a loser if you do that. He doesn't say you're a horrible person or that's unnatural. We all have a human need for affirmation and approval. Jesus doesn't say, you can't do that or that's wrong. But look at what he does say. He says, hey, 
They want to be seen by others. I'm telling you the truth. He just says, look it, there's no condemnation in my voice right now. I'm just giving you a, a fact. The fact is, that reward that they're looking for, they've received it in full. That approval they're looking for, it's going to penetrate only as deep as that facade goes. And if that's the reward they're looking for, that's what they've got. And if that's okay with them and for them, then that's perfect. Because how many of you experience this dynamic? where you find yourself in a situation where you put on that facade and it actually works for you. You get that approval, you get that acceptance, you get that affirmation. And you're like, hey, this is really good. And then all of a sudden this thought comes to you, oh, but wait a minute, because they didn't see that, as in pointing to a deeper, darker part of yourself. You see, if, if they would have seen that part of me, then they wouldn't have given that approval, that affection that acceptance. So then what happens? The affection only goes as deep as the facade runs, or we can't even accept that because we know the whole truth, don't we? How many of you have experienced that before? You're like, ooh, this felt good until, until I realized this other part of me. <laughs> it's, we have received our reward in full, haven't we? But isn't it beautiful? Jesus isn't condemning it. There's not an ounce of judgment in his voice. He's saying, look, if that is satisfactory for you, go ahead and go that direction. Because some people, that's all they're going to get. But he says, disciples, I have a deeper, more profound way to find your human needs for affection, approval, and acceptance. To have that met. And let me tell you where it's found. And he says, you know where it is? So, speaking of needing human approval... Some of you know that I got a job at China Peak as the, uh, what am I called? I'm the, the slow and Paso Robles bus chaperone, which means that I get paid in a free season pass to go up twice a month to ride the bus with a bunch of people up to China Peak and then bring them home. The first Saturday I did that was a disaster, okay? AKA, they didn't have a seat for me on the bus. <laughs> like, I literally had to do the United Airlines thing. Sorry, our flight is overbooked and we'll give you a voucher if you'll volunteer to go up another time. I had to do that my first 20 minutes on the job. That was fun. That was a good way to get approval of 48 people that are staring at you ready to get to the snow and they've been up since 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, oh, I get to be that guy right now. Yay. So then it got a little worse and then it got better. But so you know what happened yesterday? This was fun. So I'm like, all right, the worst is behind me. I can move forward with my new job now and everything's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. I get up at 3.20. I, I make my way out the door at 4.15. I pull into the parking lot of Madonna Plaza, looking for the bus, and I don't see the bus, but instead I get a text message at the exact time I'm pulling in, and the text message is from my boss saying, oh, I just got a text from the bus company. The bus broke down, they're unable to fix it, and there are no alternates. So I got to gather the group of people again and say, hey, everybody, good morning. My name is Chris, and I was going to be your bus chaperone today. They're looking at me like, did he say was going to be? <laughs> and I got to tell them, hey, guess what? There's no bus, and there's no skiing, no snowboarding, unless you want to go up by yourself. It was a profound moment of beautiful approval and acceptance and affirmation coming from this group. They just reached out in their hearts and embraced me, and I felt warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I was like, this is healing. <laughs> yeah. I ran and dove behind my car. They were actually very gracious. It turned out well, but 
It's a good thing Jesus says things like that. Look at what Jesus says here. He says, go into your room. And the, the Greek word for room, I don't remember the exact word because I didn't want to waste mental energy memorizing a Greek word just to impress you. <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> um, I don't know what the Greek word is, but I know that the Greek word, it means your storeroom. Think about in your house, what's the least organized room of your entire house? Like not messiest, dirt, as in dirty and germs, but like what's the room that when people are coming over, you're just like, all right, you can see everything in my house except that. <laughs> right? What, is, what room is that for you guys? For us? Well, I'll tell you in a minute, but pantry for anybody? The fries don't have one of those rooms. <laughs> pantry, closet, right? Little kids clean their room. Like on the cartoons, you open the door. And but you know what it was for us? It was our garage. Our garage is that thing of like, we moved in in August, and I spent the whole day yesterday cleaning out my garage. Don't do the math about how long that took us. <laughs> but we finally started really moving into our house. And Jesus says, don't go out to the synagogues and all these beautiful, pristine, clean places. Don't bring the facade. He says, go into your pantry. Go into your closet. Go into your storeroom. Go into your garage where it's messy, where it's unkempt, where it's disorganized. The thing that you would never open up and just show anybody. Hmm. We don't have any places like that in our hearts, do we? Jesus says, go into there. Into that room that you hide from other people. Because it doesn't fit the bill for what you want to project to the outer world. Go into that room. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Jesus is getting all deep on us. There's another translation that says, your Father is already there. Now think about the juxtaposition that Jesus is doing here. He says, look, one of your options for getting your reward, your approval, is going out and putting on this facade, going to the clean, pristine, sanitized places and doing your stuff out there and trying to get your approval there. But he also says, hey, here's another way you could do it. Go to those places you don't want anybody to see. Go into that storeroom where it's messy, where it's unkempt, where it's disorganized. Go to the secret places, those things that you tell yourself, if people only knew about this, they wouldn't accept me. And he says, guess what? The Father is already there. And he brings his acceptance with him before you even get there. Have you ever found yourself thinking this thought? I'm scared to get to know who I truly am because I'm not sure when I find out if I'll like what I discover. Has anybody ever had that thought cross your mind? I don't want to find out who I really am because I don't know if I'll like what I discover. And Jesus says, hey, go ahead and go into that place because the Father's already there and the Father likes what He finds there. He can handle it. You don't need to keep it a secret from him. You don't need to shut the door and kind of guide him through other places of the house and say, oh, that room, oh, don't worry about what's in there. You 
don't need to worry about that. That's nothing. Jesus is saying, if you want to know where the Father is, that's where the Father is. And is it interesting as well that Jesus says, oh, and when you go there and meet the Father there, the Father will reward you. That's kind of weird, right? I thought Jesus was like against works-based faith. I thought Jesus wasn't about us trying to do things to get the Father's reward. What do you guys think is going on there? Why would Jesus say the Father will reward you? Is he contradicting other things that Paul in the New Testament has said? Or do you think it's possible that Jesus is saying, hey, the fact that you can meet the Father in that place is the reward. The reward is being known by the Father in the midst of all your junk. It's like the difference between praying out loud in front of a group of people. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about God when you pray in front of a group? When someone asks you to pray out loud, are you like, all right, Jesus, just me and you. I can be totally raw here. I'm just going to let everything out. See, for them, the difference, on one level, the difference was who's the focus of the prayer. For them, those in the beginning, Jesus is saying the focus is on them and what they're going to get out of it. When you go into your prayer room, when you go into those dark places, those secret places, guess what? You find that you're free to bring all of you. And then guess what? All of you is able to touch and experience the acceptance and approval and affection that the Father brings. Now that'd be pretty amazing. Before we jump to this next part, Let me read something to you that, that relates to this, and there might be a little bit of repetition, but this was the commentary I wrote. I'm not working on a commentary, but I had to just jot some thoughts down because this was really speaking to me. I wrote, God is present in the secret, hidden places of our homes and hearts, and the Father will reward us based on and for what we do in secret. And the question that came to me was, like I said, is this performance Christianity? And if so, is that okay? And if not, why not? Think about the nature of rewards. What kind of reward will we get? It's the reward of knowing God and being known in the secret place. When our connection with God through prayer only exists in a corporate setting, as in church, small groups, the dinner table, etc., then there's inevitably a superficial dimension to it. Parts of our hearts that we won't expose or express. It will be showy, even if we have good intentions, because others are listening and we don't want to expose the stuff from the secret dark room. Sometimes that's not appropriate. But if we go to the secret place where things are hidden with an awareness that the Father is already there, then we receive the reward of being known. Because we are free to put everything out there before God. 
I discovered something a couple weeks ago. I went up to the snow by myself, and I went snowboarding by myself for a few hours, and I, I'd never gone snowboarding by myself because I never thought it would interest me. For me, it was all about the relationship. It was all about who I was with. It was all about sharing it, which is a beautiful thing. And so I thought, well, it won't be any fun if I'm by myself. You know what I discovered a couple weeks ago when I went snowboarding by myself? I can actually enjoy my own company. What? This is the craziest thing. I discovered that I can actually enjoy my own company. And the father was with me on that chairlift. And we were just being together with all the randomness of my thoughts. All the brokenness of some of my thoughts. All the processing, all the reflecting. The Father was just there with me in that place, and I felt complete and total acceptance. And there was so much delight in that experience that I wanted to bottle it up and take it with me everywhere I went. I feel like there are questions I have to ask, but I don't even know what the questions are. But is this, is this landing any approval, an experience of approval? Because we can get that. It's not bad to get that from others. But it's an issue of which one will sustain you, which one has lasting effect. Thank you, Al. I want to find something else that I wrote this morning. Um, I'm going from not using notes to having notes in about 12 different places. Organization is my top 32nd strength in StrengthsFinder. There's only 30 of them. No, I'm just kidding. The problem is, no matter how I respond to that, I'm going to be gauging if you guys are going to approve of my... No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, no. That's a very good question. So, whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. That's pretty clear cut, right? So, he says, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, so they may be seen by others. I tell you, they have received their reward. And then you're talking about the second part. When you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases. Right? A lot of do nots in there. I think what I meant by the, the judgment, by the condemnation piece, is more about the tone of Jesus' feeling towards it. Are, are any of us ever going to get to the point... Well, well, two questions, I guess. Are any of us ever going to get to the point where we don't need any approval outer affection, um, affirmation, acceptance from any other human being, are we ever going to get to that point? No. I don't think Jesus even wants us to get to that point because one of the very first things that God ever said about creation, right, was it's not good for this man, Adam, to be alone. There's relationship and there's good things found in this relationship. But Jesus is just saying, look it, if you're going to do that, this is how deep it's going to go. Your reward ends there. He says, so when you do do this, go into your room and shut the door. So I don't think that it's necessarily an issue of, yeah, I don't hear judgment or condemnation. I hear, hey, you're asking my advice. You're standing here hearing what I have to say. I think this is the way to find life. I think this is the normal tendency, and I think this is the direction to really find that sustaining 
longing, affirmation, acceptance, and approval that you're looking for. These people are going to do it this way, that's fine, but that's all they've got going for them. That's all they're going to do. Go this route. Because this is infinite. This will sustain you. So, however you read the word, so for me, I guess it's an issue of what kind of emotional tone I read behind the phrase, do not. I don't hear Jesus being like, don't you dare. I think he's just kind of matter-of-factly like, look it, don't do it that way. When there's this way. I don't know if that answers your question at all, but Well said. Better answer than mine, for sure. Um, thank you for that. So let me, let's, so Scott, if there's more kind of unresolved there, then we can look at that. But, um, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go into the secret place. Um, but, I think there's just something about, one second, Gayska, before I lose this train of thought. I think there's just something about coming to this place where we find the courage to let the Father in to those places that we spend so much energy. Have you ever met that kind of person that you look at them and you could just tell they're spending so much energy trying to get you to accept them? You're like, that must be exhausting. Quit judging people like that. No, I'm just kidding. We, <laughs> I'm kidding. But we, we live that way sometimes where it's just like, okay, what are they thinking? What are they, what are they doing? What do they want from me? Who do they want me to be? And Jesus is saying, look it, you don't need to spend your resources that way. Go and let the Father love you for all that you are, for the hidden parts, the secret parts, the dark parts. That could segue into a whole different talk, which we won't go into, but remember I shared with you a few, I think it was about a month and a half ago, a definition of the flesh, when Paul talks about the flesh versus the spirit, one definition of the flesh, simply the parts of our being that don't know that they're accepted and embraced by God. Jesus is inviting us into a way where our whole entire being knows and experiences that acceptance. Jessica, you're going to say something with that and then we're going to bring this around? <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, okay, I just got, I had a little like panic moment. Brent Taylor, I, I didn't see them sitting back at the seats. And I, <laughs> are you guys trying to like, choo? Um, will you guys make your way back up before you can run too far away? Uh, where'd Eric go? Eric, will you come back up too? Um, they saved two songs for us, and we, you don't need to, it's 11.40. The Super Bowl is not for many hours. <laughs> Your kids will need to be picked up at what time, Carrie? How much longer do we have in five minutes? All right, we got five minutes without kids. Let me just put out a couple questions. We always like to pray for each other at Coastlands. We obviously also like to hear what other people have to say. We're going to jump into the Lord's Prayer. Next week, we'll start looking at the words of the prayer. And we're going to start praying it together. And I think it would be really rich. I would encourage you to take some time over this week to engage the Lord's Prayer. And even try to just pray it at one point of your day each day. And see what happens. Let it kind of do some work in you. But, but what's going on with us based on what the Holy Spirit's saying this morning? I think that, that Betty and Sarah are bringing it around in a really healthy way. And all of what you've said is a really healthy contribution. But I've heard a few 
themes or, or patterns emerging. And one is that Jesus says, hey, go ahead and let your guard down a little bit and be at peace in the presence of the Father. You don't need to spend all that energy projecting the facade. And so if you needed to hear that this morning and you'd like prayer for that, we want to pray for you. Some of us need to be reminded that in the storeroom, there's goodness. That the Father has good things that the Father sees and delights in and wants to bring out into the world. How many of you needed to hear that? And need to hear the Father tell you? So this is what we're going to do. Instead of us making it about all praying for each other, I want to invite everybody just kind of where you're at or if you want to if you need to move around let's let the father speak his affection into our hearts directly this morning if you really feel like you have somebody that kind of catches your awareness and you want to go pray for them or encourage them I invite you to do that but feel free to let this morning just be a time as they sing these next couple songs just let the father speak that affection and that life and that approval over you into whatever room in your heart. So I'm going to pray for us and then they're going to jump back in. Father, we've all experienced different levels of of rejection and pain and disappointment. We all have things we're hiding, but we've also all experienced different levels of approval and acceptance and, and being loved for who we are. And this morning, we want to let the experience of your love, the tangible experience of your love, penetrate a layer deeper in our hearts and lives and deep. So Father, would you speak to us? Would you remind us of how you see us, what you have to say to us, who we are in your eyes? help us to go into that storeroom and be encouraged that we will meet you there and find you maybe even smiling? Would we sense that smile on your face over us this morning as we worship and as we open our hearts to you?